Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in true crime. And of all the stories that we do, this one, to me, is the most disturbing for so many reasons. And tonight, I've been tweeting all day. Uh, this is incredibly important to me, just on a personal level, because I feel like there is a unbelievable travesty of justice going on. Uh, in this case. And I just want to say that uh, before we get going. So I hope you weren't bothered by the flurry of tweets, but the only way that we are going to affect change here is by uh, raising our voices. Um, I once had a journalism teacher, not to pontificate, but I will for a second. May he rest in peace. His name is Bob Stevens and uh, one of the most influential people in my life. And uh, I remember in high school, I wrote a a piece about a, a teacher who was kind of a slacker and the faculty went crazy on me. And when I walked into Bob Stevens office, I was terrified and he was so proud of me because I made waves and I was calling out uh, the injustice of this teacher on a very micro level, but on a macro level, the only way we are going to get change for Josh and Sandy Greenberg is if we collectively raise our voices and we'll talk about that. And if people uh, gather and figure out ways to really influence these elected officials' decisions. And I'm talking about Governor Josh Shapiro to you. Congratulations on Danilo Cavacante, but no congrats to you on how you're handling Alan Greenberg. And also to the Philadelphia DA, Larry Krasner. And some people might say, well, they're not involved anymore. They recuse themselves or kick the can down the road. Well, those two guys are very influential. And Larry Krasner is running for office. And if enough people make enough noise and his job is threatened, trust me, he wants his job more than he wants to keep any potential secrets about uh, the Ellen Greenberg case. And I'm not saying that he is, but I'm saying he's not doing his best to be transparent and neither is Governor Shapiro. So shame on both of you. With all that said, it has been a 12 year quest to overturn a coroner's ruling of suicide in in Ellen Greenberg's brutal stabbing death, uh, which has now ended in a legal defeat for her parents. Uh, Ellen said, and I'm quoting here, I'm sorry, Ellen's mom, Sandy, pardon me, we're deeply disgusted on Beyond Tears. Uh, Of course, Ellen Greenberg, as we know, she was a 27-year-old first-grade teacher at Juanita Park Academy in Philadelphia, PA. Uh, For those who don't know the story, around 6.40 p.m. on January 26th, 2011, that is 20 years ago, almost 13 years ago, that Ellen was pronounced dead as a result of 20 stab wounds, including 10 to the back of her head and neck. And two of them, uh, an independent autopsy showed, two of the stab wounds occurred after her heart stopped beating, which means she was no longer alive. Uh, It's kind of hard to stab yourself when you are not alive. In addition, There were 11 bruises in various stages of resolution on her right arm, abdomen, and right leg, signs of abuse, experts say. And despite all of the evidence to the contrary, the medical examiner, a guy named Dr. Marlon Osborne, ruled her death a suicide. So uh, we are honored tonight to welcome back Josh and Sandy uh, Greenberg. I'm going to introduce them, and then uh, we'll get to them in one moment. Gavin Fish. Um, who now has his head shaved. Uh, He uh, began investigating unsolved crimes in 2019, 
when a friend suggested it might be fun to make a YouTube channel and true crime was something he was very passionate about, specifically the investigations. Gavin uh, works um, full time as a reporter at a local uh, online paper um, in Western Pennsylvania, but he's uh, one of the uh, better investigative minds out there and he knows his case inside out. And last but not least, the man who looks like he just emerged from a fugitive manhunt a little bit is Guy D'Andrea, and I love it. Uh, much cleaner, I might add, than Danilo Cavalcante. <laughs> he is a former Philadelphia assistant DA in the homicide unit. He discovered Ellen's file in the Philadelphia DA office, DA's office. He knows all about what's hidden in those papers. Uh, now he's in private practice, uh, litigated over 100 jury trials. So, Welcome to one and all. And you, you can see right on the bottom of your screen, this is going to be running all night. We have the phone number for Governor Josh Shapiro. He works for you. Uh, we have his Twitter. Here it comes right now in a second, in a moment. In one second, you're going to see this. Um, there it is. Contact Governor Shapiro. There's his phone number for his office. Here's his email governor at state.pa.us for those listening governor at state.pa.us and his twitter handle is at governor shapiro then you've got the philadelphia district attorney larry krasner who is running for re-election his number 215-686-8000 his twitter da underscore larry krasner da underscore larry krasner i urge everyone to not only tweet, email, call, and express your disdain over this, but I would recommend sharing it with every person that you know to do the very same. The last thing that these guys want is to lose their jobs. It doesn't matter what kind of loyalty they have to whomever they have. These guys are very aspirational. They want to get to higher uh, elected office. And uh, you, STS Nation, you have the power to bug them and make them act on this case. So again, uh, this was a three judge panel that ruled uh, the, the motion was to overturn the coroner's ruling of suicide in Ellen Greenberg's brutal stabbing. Uh, but there was a, a majority decision uh, on this and basically rejected that ruling. Um, very first question, Josh Greenberg, your reaction when you got the news? Well, I, I started reading the uh, decision. I got to the end of the first paragraph, and the last two sentences were very interesting. After the decisions totally blacked us out, it got to the point where they said the, the investigation by the police, the medical examiner, and the district attorney in Philadelphia was bogus. It was not done well. So to me, I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. I mean, um, you're, you're, you're saying we can't go on. We can't start. Actually, they're saying we can't start. They're saying this forbid us to go to trial. We are only, let's, let, 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 I want to get to some basics. Basically, we asked for three things. Change the to undecided or homicide. Undecided will accept. Open the investigation to a non-biased investigator team, with it led by a non-biased investigator. We not pointing any fingers at anybody. 
more so than us, the judges here picked on the police department in Philadelphia, the uh, district attorney in Philadelphia, and the medical examiners. So we didn't really pick on anybody, and we haven't done that. We're just looking for the truth. And it's really, uh, that's, the, that's the whole thing. We're looking for the truth. We don't feel there's the, the truth has been used here or applied. We don't feel the truth has been applied. I think that's the correct word. We have done a thorough investigation. We've hired the best we can. Whenever I talk to somebody about my team, they talk about the A team. So we just want the truth. We're not looking to hurt anybody specifically. We want the truth about our daughter's death. She had 20 stab wounds. As time goes on and we learn more and we do more investigative work, we find peculiarities or strangeness in some of the wounds and some of the things that happen that don't make any sense. Something that's always bothered me is Osborne said there was bruises on her body that were consistent with abuse. We just forget about that because Ella doesn't talk to us anymore. Isn't that something we should know about? We should try and find out what's going on and we should find out who did it or why it was done because somebody else is going to be a victim of this abuse. But I'll tell you this, Josh. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I have three children. Um, I cannot imagine what you're going through. There's no way to know that, but uh, you're, patience with all this is remarkable uh that you just want the truth um i think if it was me um i'd be a lot more angry so uh, i don't know um i guess it's admirable sandy uh you said that you were beyond tears how are you feeling now that you've had a little time to digest all this well we've been waiting for a conclusion for two years they've been stalling Deferring, deflecting. Another 12 years. Doing their, no, but since we filed the complaint. Okay. It took that long. And it's about time we have closure on that one aspect of our case. There's lots of lanes that we can ride in, and there's lots of different things we can do. The one thing we will not do is give up. And the conclusion that I came to when I read the ruling was that even though two judges ruled against us, one was for us, they all agreed that it was a murder. Not suicide. It was homicide. They all agreed, they, uh, they, they, they all agreed that the, the investigation was flawed. And they packed a lot into that. 39 pages. Those 39 pages that they did not have to include. So it took some time to get to where they came and we're going to keep going. I don't have a plan precisely, but we'll, we didn't disappear just because, you know, they're playing politics with us. In actuality, we talk about our daughter, but this is a bigger issue. This is an issue that can affect anybody, any family in the state of Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, because the medical examiners in this state or this Commonwealth have been given a license to walk on water. They cannot be challenged. Whatever their conclusion is, that's it. If they were to say that 
I, if they were to say right now I'm dead instead of alive talking to you, we couldn't challenge that. That's the um, way it's written. And it is disturbing the way it's written. Uh, Meg P says, Mr. and Mrs. Greenberg, it's doctor. Uh, we will get this changed. And uh, that's what I love about STS Nation. Again, honestly, the only way this is going to get changed, in my opinion, is for a public outcry. Um, if there's anyone in the audience that knows someone who can donate a couple of billboards to call out the governor, to call out Larry Krasner, the guy running for district attorney, let's do it. If anyone can rally some troops to protest at the Capitol in Harrisburg with some signs, let's make these guys worried about their jobs so they behave and act and follow the law in a judicial manner and that justice here is served. Guy DeAndrea, uh, before we get to you, um, real quick, Paula Jackson, it's so disturbing when murder goes unpunished, justice for Ellen. Uh, Amy Marta, love to Sandy and Josh. And then RJF Menzies, good to see Guy DeAndrea back. Uh, Guy, most of us in this audience, it is an election year, by the way, and Krasner is running. I'm not sure about Shapiro. You guys can let no, me know he's about done. that. Yeah. He, he's done, right? Okay. He just ran. He's in. Yeah. Um, so he, I know he has aspirations to go to a higher office, and I think that would be the presidency. No so uh, let, let, let's. Uh, Let's make sure that he knows he's accountable to the people of the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and that he's not just a figurehead, but he understands what's he understands uh, what's going on here. And and again, we've got to raise our voices. But, Guy, most of us are not um, attorneys. So uh, take it easy on us. Explain what was this process and what was this ruling that was handed back? Sure. I, I'll try to be, I suppose, differential to the bench, but. Essentially, the, they didn't decide the case. And, and, and here's what I mean by that, right? The judges took, in my opinion, the two majority from of, out of the three. I don't know how else to say it, but the cowardly way out. And here's what I mean. They ruled on an issue called standing, okay? And so when judges do this, basically it's saying, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Greenberg don't have standing. They are not the right people, essentially, that have the ability to bring this lawsuit. Now, I'm sure many of the listeners are probably thinking, well, if the mom and dad of Ellen, they don't have the state, who does? They don't really address that. But the, but the problem with the decision is by focusing so heavily on standing, they never had to get to the actual merits, meaning the substance behind exactly what Mr. Greenberg just said, which is we can't challenge a discretionary medical examiner's ruling or decision or opinion, if you will, on the findings of the manner of death um, and, and so – or cause of death. And so what I mean by that is they never got to whether someone or whether through a declaratory relief or let's just call it through the courts could in fact challenge that. They never addressed the actual issue at the heart of this case. They simply said – I mean it wasn't simply. They did write a detailed opinion. I will give them that. Um, but they only addressed the standing issue, which isn't really a substantive issue in the case. Uh, and they said based upon their opinion that essentially Mr. and Mrs. Greenberg uh, do not have a substantial a direct or immediate interest in this matter, which is a joke. Now, look, there is laws behind it. I'm not saying they just flippantly threw it out there, but – 
you know, I think the Honorable uh, McCullough, who wrote the dissent, uh, in many respects, got it right. Now, I don't know what Judge McCullough's decision would have been if he actually addressed the merits. I mean, I think the judge says it to, to many to many uh, um, respects, but um, if they had got to the merits, I think the decision would have been different, and then the family could actually proceed with the merits, the substance, the facts of the case. And actually, ideally, the merits of the case, guy, they did talk about. They did. No, they did, but we don't have the, the legal finding. We have right. good they a lot of merit to us going ahead. They did, and I mean, they did use some positive the first paragraph. Yeah, last three sentence, last two sentences. And, and I'm and I'm going to bring up. I'm going to bring up some excerpts uh, from. Uh, the response from this panel. Okay, the geeky angel, can people not living in PA call? Yes, you can. I mean, you can call from New Zealand if you want, um, if you want to do it. But uh, if you're in America, uh, this is your country. Uh, taxpayer money. Um, yeah. I mean, you've got to, what's great about America, everyone's got a voice. Please call. Please tweet them. Please email them. Do all three and do it three times. It doesn't bother me. Uh, it might bother them, but that's what we want. Uh, Gavin Fish, to you, uh, and I don't usually get this way, but I, I just, I, I try to, I can't do it, but I try to put myself in Josh and Sandy's shoes. 12 years, you heard Josh and Sandy going back and forth. Well, this part of it has been going on for two years, but the ordeal has been going on for 12 years, and uh, it's just a miscarriage of justice. Um Gavin Fish, um, Guy, uh, I think, was being deferential and explaining everything. Uh, at the same time, you know, they're basically saying that Josh and Sandy don't have standing. But in essence, you can kind of, in, in a way, you can kind of hide behind the law too. say, well, look, there's no standing. So we're not going to do anything, which is a way I perceive this. But what did you make um, of the response here by this three judge panel? Well, first of all, when if you go back and well, they actually mention it in the in the opinion, but at the oral arguments and in the filed arguments that the city of Philadelphia filed with the appellate court, the uh, what's this called, the Commonwealth Court, mm -hmm. which is the it's the administrative side of of the court system here in in the state of Pennsylvania, they only argued that the Greenbergs don't have standing here. They did not argue any merits of anything. They just said that their appeal was Dr. and Mrs. Greenberg don't have standing here. Um, I, When I read the opinion for the first time, Josh actually texted me and said, look at the last couple sentences of the first paragraph. And, and it does say in there that... Um, you know, in the interest of justice, we believe that providing a detailed review of the victim's death and ensuing investigation is clearly warranted. So they spent something like 36 of their 39 pages just putting on the record the um, the facts of the case. And as I was reading, I'm like, well, this is just giving lip service to, to this. But as I got into it, um, no, I think these uh, these judges are appalled at the merits of the case, at the actual circumstances of the case, but they found that they just had no other choice other than to agree with the um, with the city of Philadelphia that, that Josh and Sandy don't have standing in the case. By the way, um, <laughs> you can look at the filings in this case. Um, one of the filings that in the in the appeal that really bothered me came from like the North American Association of Medical Examiners. And 
its argument as a brief in the in the appeal was, hey, these medical examiners are educated people. They continue to get education. And, you know, by the way, their opinions really aren't binding anyway, so they really shouldn't be questioned. And this veil of medical examiners having that protection from, um, you know, questioning what their findings are is almost completely unpierced in the entire United States. It's very, very difficult to get declaratory relief against a medical examiner's office. It's very difficult to get uh, mandamus, which is, you know, forcing uh, the medical examiner to change their, uh, you know, their opinion on the death certificate. And I was really, really hopeful that Josh and Sandy were going to prevail here. And for the first time in any case that I know of in the nation, pierce that veil. Uh, and make it so that medical examiners are um, are accountable to to the people. And I don't want to just drone on and on because you guys are way smarter than I am on this. But the the city of Philadelphia has set it up like most of the rest of the Commonwealth uses a coroner system, where there are mechanisms that you could go and you could. Uh, get a coroner to call a coroner's inquest that would go in front of a jury and there, there would be ways to change the the death certificate, but not in Philadelphia. Philadelphia does not use that system. It's I think it's the only one in the Commonwealth that does not use a coroner. And it feels like it's by design so that people like Josh and Sandy can't force an issue. That's interesting. Um, so Philadelphia, um, Josh, I'm going to let you respond to this in just one moment. But Philadelphia um, responded, the city of Philadelphia, they spoke to Fox News Digital, and they said that they're pleased with the ruling. Josh, I'd love to get your response to this. I'll read the whole quote here. I don't have it up on the screen. The city of Philadelphia is now and has always been deeply sympathetic to Joshua and Sandra Greenberg's pain and their deep grief over the loss of their daughter. If Mr. and Mrs. Greenberg have new evidence about their daughter's death, we urge them to present it to the investigators in Chester County, kicking it down the road, uh, as they have the authority to reopen the investigation. That is a coward. First of all, it's a statement. No one came and spoke to them. Did anyone come and talk to you directly, Josh? No, we, we did go to Chester County, which was very disappointing. No, did anyone from the city of Philadelphia reach out? No, no, out? no, no, no. Okay. We, we, so they say, Josh, to you that they're deeply sympathetic and that they uh, understand your pain and deep grief. Uh, and then they go on and say, uh, and Guy, I want to get your take on this. If Mr. and Mrs. Greenberg have new evidence, and some people are asking, who do you think is the killer? Uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but people are not as familiar with the case as maybe we are. But there is someone who people believe is walking out there as a as a murderer potentially right now. But but guy to you, the city of Philadelphia, again, saying if you have new evidence, come to us. Do they even need new evidence with the amount of information, guy, that's out? there? No, no. And and quite frankly, the, the good thing the court did do in this case is they did address, I think, in great detail. I still take issues with their legal findings, and I'm happy to still talk about that. But they did a great deal of going through the factual findings, um, what the Greenbergs have done, the investigative team has done in terms of the various experts. And in fact, even the, the medical examiners themselves in Philadelphia quote, they quote them now saying basically that there is other possibilities. Like this is right. not as conclusive as we said it was. And so it's like, so, so Philly, 
you're deeply sympathetic and you wish you could do something, you can do something. Change the certificate of death. If, like, if like, there are other possibilities, then right. undetermined seems appropriate, it, doesn't it? it yeah, this, this statement <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The statement is just mind mind blowing to me. How insensitive, hollow, <laughs> empty it is. Philadelphia, get off your ass and do something. And again, the only way you can do it is to threaten Governor Josh Shapiro's job, not him, his job, and Larry Krasner's job. He's running for re-election. I didn't realize Shapiro was just re-elected, but listen. He has to answer to the people still. I don't care what anyone says. So uh, everyone use the phone, email, tweet, call, and do it uh, often to let them know. And please, please, not because of me, but because of the Greenbergs, share this show uh, far and wide. Um, can, I, so, can I say something? Yeah, 100%. Hop in. Okay. There were depositions done by the supposed witnesses we were going to have if we went to trial before it was whatever, one of which was the uh, medical examiner, Mr. Dr. Ar Dr. Osborne. And he learned some things that he didn't know when he was questioned because we brought up certain things. He literally said that based on what he knows now, he would change it to undecided or homicide. And he can do that with a stroke of a pen. Mm -hmm. We don't have to sit here. We don't have to have a trial. We don't have to do anything dr osborne just has to live up to his word yet he still has a license he still has a job he's still doing what he's doing okay. but he's yeah. not living up to the oath that he signed up for he's not yeah. i think he's yeah I, okay let's call it that way yeah. he is not, he's not he's not far from me he's in florida and he handled the parkland right. shooting case right josh right yes right yeah um so I want, uh, I'm going to come back to Josh and Sandy, I promise, and you'll have the floor. But um, a lot of people don't really understand this story. Uh, Gavin Fish, no one understands it better. I'm about to put a photo up that's a little disturbing. I asked Josh and Sandy. They gave me complete permission. And as a matter of fact, it was part of a report that they paid for. And just so you know, Josh and Sandy have doled out more than a half a million dollars of their own money to try to get justice here, a half a million dollars. Uh, but this is the photo. And Gavin, if you can, can you just kind of summarize what happened that evening as best you can? Yeah, I mean, there's the official story and then there's uh, it actually I, I feel a little self-conscious because the person who knows this case best is the guy whose picture is right below me right now. He's actually seen the, the case file beyond what Josh and Sandy and their team have been able to kind of glean out of the authorities. But basically, this is what happens. Uh, the official story is that uh, Ellen came home. She was a school teacher. It was a day that uh, there was a nor'easter coming in, a big blizzard. She got off of school early. She filled up her gas tank on the way home and uh, got home and got to work grading assignments. Sometime, uh, somebody's going to help have to help me with a timeline on this, but uh, Sam Goldberg, her fiance, arrives home and he goes down and that, to. And that is, I'm sorry, that's a photo of him right there. And this, I'm not going to put this, I'm sorry, Gavin, to interrupt, yeah. but I'm, I'm fired up tonight. I'm in, I'm really upset about this. Um, I'm going to put this picture up one more time. I'm going to ask SDS Nation a question. Does that look like suicide? Does that look like suicide? That's all I'm going to ask. If you are listening mm -hmm. to this, there are 
10 knives in her front and 10 knives in her back, stabbed 20 times with a huge gash on her head. Does that look like suicide? Just look at that and ask yourself. Gavin, uh, I'm going to put this back up. Yeah. That, Please go so ahead. The, the story that uh, the medical examiner's office gets is that Sam Goldberg leaves the uh, apartment at some point to go down to the first floor of the apartment building to work out. Then he comes back about 40 minutes later and, and the door is locked from the inside with a swing bar lock. Story is he tried to get in, he called in, he texted, he emailed, he called, and eventually he said to, according to Olszewski, uh, he broke in and found her on the floor of the kitchen, kind of slumped over with a knife in her chest. Um, there was there were signs of a struggle. There were knives that were strewn about on the countertop and in the sink. There was a salad that she was making, and um, and yeah, after uh, after making a couple of other phone calls, he called nine one one and. Uh, personnel arrived a few minutes later. That's that's kind of how the story went. Um, and, and there's text messages out there, and there's a nine one one call that is uh, very questionable in its genuine genuineness and honesty that people can, uh, you know, also look to. Um, I asked if it looks like uh, suicide, and across the board uh, here. Uh, hell no, horrific no. Ellen did not do that to herself. The, the list goes on. Absolutely not. Uh, literally impossible. Well, when you have powers that be that turn a blind eye, um, things like this happen. And that's why this is actually not to get on a high horse, but I will. But this is why the media actually is very important. Um, my mother's a Holocaust survivor. It takes the public to really sometimes move public officials. Um to, to really make noise. I can't do it. Josh and Sandy are trying. They're having a hard time. Guy DeAndrea, who's an attorney, uh, had a hard time. And he was in that office. I mean, he was within the office. Uh, Caroline Miller says, uh, this is not suicide. Um, by the way, uh, Josh and Sandy's attorney, Joe Pedraza, came out, his quote, the majority opinion in this ruling, the majority opinion is a roadmap on how to commit murder and not be held accountable. Mm. Um, shout out to John Lucy with PA Live. He broke this story, uh, read his article, and he was basically just talking uh, the, that the court case uh, appealing the medical examiner's ruling itself, uh, professional determinations that are all but unassailable under PA law that grants coroners and MEs wide latitude. So it basically gives the coroners, coroners and medical examiners wide latitude and discretion in determining cause and manner of death. It's almost like immunity in essence. Um, it's almost like trying to sue a, pharma a pharmaceutical company for a, you know, for something, uh, Guy. They have a lot of immunity. Um, do you feel, Guy, like we're all going up a down escalator here? In your opinion, what can be done right now besides speaking out? Well, you can appeal the Commonwealth's, Commonwealth Court's ruling, which – you know, obviously, Josh and Sandy will make that decision with their legal team. You know, I do. They're going to make that decision. I think it would be a, this is a great facts make great law. Bad facts makes bad law. The, the facts in this case, as horrific, sad, emotional as they are, are great facts to change the law. Right. I, I don't know how anyone can read 
and know the facts of this case and and be legally and 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 in equity be honest with our citizens and not change this law. You well, know, that, is, is that, do you think that's why they, they put so, so much effort into putting the facts of the case, hoping that this might get appealed? I, I think so. Uh, I, I think so because they took, look, you can, you can look at the way they sort of phrase the law. A lot of it, they try to put, it sounds like on the Pennsylvania Supreme court, meaning not their fault about this ruling, but look, based on past precedent, meaning other decisions that have been handed down, our hands are tied. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that, but their hands, their, their saying are tied. They spend a lot of time, which I found offensive, basically discussing, though, also how I'm looking at some of the language here, how death certificates may, and they italicize may, have evidentiary value, which is one of the reasons why they didn't find standing, because who's to say how powerful a death certificate is? That is disingenuous at best, dishonest at worst, right? Like to say just because a coroner found or a medical examiner found it suicide, prosecutors can still prosecute as first degree murder. The Greenbergs can still bring your wrongful death action. That's absolutely nonsense, right? That is absolute nonsense. I, I, I have never heard of an eight, and you know it's true because the case they cite, one case in all of Pennsylvania that says prosecutors have done this involved the manslaughter charge. I have never heard of a first degree murder trial or a first degree charge when the coroner or medical examiner's office found first-degree murder. And I only represent survivors and victims of crime. And if someone came to me, sadly, on a wrongful death case and the cause of death was suicide, there's no real way I could bring that case. You just can't. It's it's the number one piece of evidence the defendant, the defense, is going to bring to light. So I have another question, if you don't mind, Guy. The, sure. The, they do talk a lot about the death certificate, have, and they say it may or may not have evidentiary value. But what about the actual autopsy report itself? Those reports are brought – death certificates don't come into court, but the autopsy report always does, right? Mm-hmm. So that – yeah. that uh, It's uh, – no, I mean the, 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 the autopsy report – is so troubling, so challenged in terms of all the things that were missed, not seen, not discussed. I mean, I'm happy that the court here, even the majority, went through at length, as they refer to it as a deeply flawed investigation. But what I'm happy they pointed to is right from the start, when you have the coroner, or excuse me, the medical examiner's investigator there, and they detail and outline all of the things that he missed and didn't do that are that are no one even asked him to go above and beyond the things that he missed were like you could be a rookie and know that you have to do these things like check for rigor mortis where right, right. Uh, uh, um notice no how, how about notice and i'm not trying to be bombastic here but hey how about notice that this poor woman had 10 additional stab wounds to her back yeah they missed that how do you miss I, I, how do you miss that? To me, that shows that he didn't really do much investigating. It, you know, in the crime scene photos, you can see his hand pointing to things on her torso, but there's no evidence that she was ever turned over or looked at in any in any. It's, it's utter insanity, and and sort of de facto, the state is deifying in, in a way these medical examiners because they're giving them all the power in the world. Elf has an interesting super sticker here uh, for you, Guy. 
Uh, weren't there issues with Marlon Osborne uh, documented on other instances? What department of the state holds them accountable, if any? Do we know? No, I mean, the city, right? I mean, so there, there were instances. There's there there were instances where Osborne missed. I, I really hate to do this. I really, I'm not going to do this. Let's just say they 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 ruled against us on standing. But they did everything they could to to start to present a case that we should go forward, and that they said we should go forward, and this case should be reopened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I raised my voice. I, I'm, I yeah, apologize. I, no, it's all good. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put up. Um, let me read this real quick, and then Josh, I'll get your response. Um, I'll read it. it uh, you go ahead, read it. While this court is acutely aware of the deeply flawed investigation of the victim's death by the City of Philadelphia Police Department detectives, the City of Philadelphia's attorney office, and the medical examiners, we have no choice no choice under the law but to reverse and remand to the trial court for the entry of judgment in favor of the medical examiners. So they're saying, even though they're going to drool that way, there's a lot that says there's something wrong here. It's almost like there's no one that says there's anything wrong, not wrong. You know, Guy just brought something up. Um, in any report that, that is very important, Guy brought this up that's important. The In any report that you ever read about this case, they will talk about the 20 stab wounds. They will talk about the um, bruises in different, uh, you know, mm-hmm. what, what, did, what did they call that? Different stages of healing or whatever. Um, but... But they take the reporters take the the medical examiner's report as gospel. But when you look at the photos uh, from the autopsy, there is so much that is missed. It's absolute. He did not write down things that he took photos of, mm-hmm. and it's just absolutely galling. I, my last video on my YouTube channel, I went over the the um, evidence of manual strangulation, and, and it's. It's deep evidence. It's not just surface level evidence. It's very, very important to know that the medical examiner's office really messed up here. And Josh wouldn't say it, but his legal team, as they were investigating, as they were gathering information, uh, found over 40 circumstances where Dr. Osborne uh, was found by his superiors to have terrible work the guy was reprimanded frequently and i had him as a homicide prosecutor i can't tell you how many times on cases of mine yeah look i hate to be disparaging but look you know great people you know somewhere in between and then you know the bad people right i don't mean bad and they're bad people but not necessarily best at their job when he would come across my desk as the assigned medical examiner i would i would cringe for the victim and the victim's family because you would just pray and hope that the job was done at least decent enough to sustain the burden I had in trying those cases. And well, I hate saying it that way. Wow. That's, 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 that's very telling. Um, I just want to, I just want to note two, the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Josh, go ahead. There were two very main problems with Osborne's examination. One, he has a, a number of times not noticed the strangulation marks on the neck. That's not the first time with Ellen. And two, one of the the main things that the police talk about is there were no defensive wounds. But there were. Her wrists were badly bruised like she had been restrained. 
her knuckles had scratches and right. lacerations on them. So those are defensive wounds. The, yeah. And, and this is why when the city of Philadelphia puts out a cowardly statement, first of all, if they really cared, someone from the city would have showed up at Josh and Sandy's front door to explain it to them, but they didn't. Um, but the fact that they say they need to bring new evidence, and I just asked Guy, uh, there's plenty of evidence out there. They don't need new evidence. Um, I just want to say, so the lone dissenter uh, here on this panel of three is a woman named Judge Patricia McCullough, who stood up to her peers here. She argued that Ellen Greenberg and the family has been deprived of her status as a victim due right. to the suicide determination on what she called, she calls, the judge calls this an erroneous death uh, certification or certificate. Uh, this is another quote. I'm going to read it real quick, and then we'll get, uh, again, Josh and Sandy's comments. Guy and, and Gavin will go around. The facts surrounding this matter are extremely disturbing, and the parents' tireless efforts over the past 12 years to learn exactly what happened to their daughter on the evening of January 26, 2011, warrant our sincere sympathy. We're missing the why there, but uh, we I don't think Josh and Sandy want sympathy at this point. They want justice. The experts they enlisted have all raised serious factual questions about Dr. Osborne's and Dr. Sam Golino's conclusions, and even the medical examiner's office now concedes that there is no dispute that evidence in the record could support other conclusions about the manner of death. Listen, this is all, you know, crafted, written in lawyerly judge fashion. But what they're saying here uh, is murder is a real possibility. Uh, Sandy, um, your comment on this, and then we'll let Josh go. <laughs> ladies, ladies first, ladies first. <laughs> I know I'm paying the neck. I apologize. It's all good. This, we have just been put off, deflected, deferred, I'm beyond frustration with the fact that, like, did the attorney general's office read and look at everything? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing in Westchester. I mean, Josh Shapiro and um, Deb Ryan stood there like bobbleheads taking the credit for capturing a man that was on the loose for t 10 days who stabbed a woman. And we're waiting 12 and a half years for Chester County to find someone that murdered our daughter. Yeah. What's wrong the, with this picture? The governor uh, was very quick. I don't think he was in the thickets out there hunting this guy. He was very no, quick. No, he to shows get on up that. for bobblehead of. Yeah, and he promised to get whoever he's it was. A very shrewd politician. Yes, he is. Well, he is. this is what's going to listen. This is one of the things that bothers me about politics but some someday josh and sandy are going to break through this this wall and they're going to get justice and when they do and the assailant of ellen greenberg is arrested put on trial and convicted some politician is going to stand there and take credit for it it's going to be a hundred percent it might even be josh shapiro i said it well, maybe, who knows? Uh, Yala says, uh, and Guy, this is to you. So the state won't prosecute this. The whole purpose of this um, filing was to get the manner of death switched to homicide so it could be investigated, so it could potentially be prosecuted. Am I understanding that right, Guy? Yes. 
and I, I said it to, to Josh and Ellen before, and Ellen, I'm sorry, Josh and Sandy before I said it to my office before I left the office at the Philadelphia district attorney's office in January of 17, uh, to go into private practice representing survivors. Um, and, but back then I said it to my superiors. They said, guy, what is your thoughts? I said, if you're asking me what this case is, this is not an undetermined, this is a homicide and it should be investigated as such. That is as a prosecutor, that is my opinion that this is a homicide. Uh, and it's more than opinion because an opinion seems like, you know, everyone's got an opinion. This is based upon the evidence as I saw it. And, you know, whether or not uh, someone can be arrested, maybe, maybe not. Um, given the botched investigation, maybe they can if things are followed up on. Uh, but it's a homicide. I mean, it's 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 that simple. And uh, Guy DeAndrea, my guest right here, this is my aunt's name. And I have a feeling that my mother who is too paranoid to come on under her own name is actually this person. And she's asking uh, from a legal perspective, this is classic my mom, by the way. Uh, she got upset at me because she got her hair dyed. It's a little red. I told her she looked like Jackie Mason. She said it was a low blow. I'm sorry. It is your uh, mom. Yeah. Uh, she, she said it is your mom. It says, um, <laughs> why can, uh, why cannot in her, she speaks six languages, by the way, but this is like a uh, not a double negative. But why cannot Dr. Osborne be sued, guy? Sure. So Dr. Osborne, in his capacity, he is being sued. We're suing. He is being sued, but in his individual capacity, it's difficult, right? I'm sorry, guy. No, I was going to say, as an agent of the city, I mean, the governmental entities in some ways have immunity, but there's many ways around that, or there's laws that allow for these types of suit. And in fact, that's what I was going to say. He is, in fact, being sued in this in this particular case. He is being sued for being part of a conspiracy mm -hmm. to cover up a homicide. Mm -hmm. So, in this latest uh, Fox News Digital released a story. Um, so did PA Live. Again, a shout out to John Lucy. And uh, um, I'm Michael Ruiz, who's Fox News Digital's like uh, true crime reporter extraordinaire. Right. Um, the judge outlined uh, glaring flaws. One of the judges, this was Seisler, um, who is not a dissenter. She voted in favor of the ruling that was handed down. But she still outlined glaring flaws in the investigation. Uh, Osborne's initial finding was that the death was a homicide, but his determination came after Listen to this. The determination of a homicide came after the crime scene had been cleaned up and before police arrived with a search warrant. And uh, there's this statement um, that comes out of this uh, filing. And that is the building's property manager, Melissa Ware, later explained that an unnamed representative had advised her to call a third-party service to have the apartment thoroughly cleaned. There is no evidence in the record that Ms. Ware, the unidentified cleaning service, or the uh, Philadelphia Police Department representative were ever interviewed by investigating authorities. Uh, Gavin, can you explain what is happening here for those who are not that familiar? Yeah, this, this, is, a, this is the thing that got me most fired up when I first looked at this case. Okay, the day after Ellen was killed, her body was removed from that apartment at about 11 o'clock that night. The following day, her fiance's family asked, called the building and asked to be able to get into the apartment to get like a suit for Mr. Goldberg to attend Ellen's funeral. 
And Melissa Ware did not know what to do. So she called the PPD and said, can I let these people in? And by the way, there's still blood everywhere in there. And somebody from the PPD said, you know what? You can just call crime scene cleanup. It's not a crime scene. Just go ahead and have it cleaned up. So she did. She called them, had it cleaned up, and then invited Sam's family members to come grab a suit, which they ended up taking more than that. But, um, but while the crime scene, crime scene cleanup people were in the apartment, Marlon Osborne was doing the autopsy and ruled it a homicide. Okay. Correct. Can I say something? A hundred percent. I'm sorry. Are you, are you done, Gav? Well, just one more little detail, Josh, and it is this. Once Marlon Osborne, as Sandy just said, ruled it a homicide, the PPD was like, oh, oh, we've got a homicide here. I guess right. we need to get a search warrant. So they get a search warrant, and they go to serve the search warrant, and when they do, it's clean by professional cleaning service at the behest of the PPD. And Josh, I'm going to let you jump in real quick. So, okay, uh, now we'll start with some of the some of the really exciting, glaring things. Number one, crime scene cleanup usually takes a picture of the crime scene before they clean it up. They don't have any pictures. Melissa Ware, on her own, videotaped and took pictures of the apartment before it was cleaned up. She, the police, asked her for that. They gave she gave it to him, and guess what? No one can find her pictures. The Philadelphia police. Re- took it from her, right? And they're holding it. We don't know whether they, they might have thrown it out for all it we. It doesn't know. matter what they did with it. They're saying it was a suicide, but they won't give us anything that they have. We have other evidence, but I'm just trying to show you what happens to some evidence in this case. There's a two um, two definite places that the apartment should have been photographed by the crime scene cleanup crew, and it was by Melissa Ware, but neither one. But there are no pictures anywhere. And what Josh is saying here is very accurate. There are other cases that I've worked on where we've tried to get, we call the crime scene cleanup crew with the family and ask if they've taken pictures. Universally, they all say yes. Universally, they all give them to the family. Every case I've ever worked on with that. Not Not our case. But not on Ellen. And by the way, there were other key items taken uh, out of the apartment by the fiance's uncle, the fiance of Sam Goldberg, uh, the uncle, uh, sort of high powered in the uh, in the legal profession in the city of Philadelphia. He took Ellen's purse, three laptops, two cell phones. Let me say that again. Her purse, three laptops, and two cell phones. And at this point, it's supposed to be investigated as a homicide. Guy, uh, you have experience. You're a homicide prosecutor. How important is a laptop, two cell phones, and a purse in a, in a homicide investigation? It can be absolutely crucial, critical, vital, right? I mean, I could use all the adjectives. It's when I was approving charges or going through evidence as a prosecutor, even now as a civil attorney, it's one of the first things. Secure every piece of technology that can be secured because there can be all sorts of vital information on those devices. And in no planet, in no world should they be left behind, and they certainly should never be given or allowed to be taken by a potential suspect's family, right? And so it's it's just astonishing for me that the police in this particular case, who in many instances, all the ones that I worked with were great for the most part, uh, but in this circumstance allowed all of this to happen before the official report, the autopsy 
from the medical examiners. This should have been protected and preserved until there was a finding by the medical examiner's office. And this should have they no one should have been allowed in or out of that apartment, period. For any a suit or otherwise. No one should have been allowed inside that apartment, period. When they took the technology for very expensive and family heirloom engagement ring was on the night table mm-hmm. and left there. Yeah, he wasn't collecting things that were valuable, right? He was collecting things. I, that it doesn't look that way, does it? <laughs> and and Gavin, to Gavin, to that point, um, from aspiring court reporter, who is he? I think they're talking about the fiance here. His name is Sam Goldberg. Did he have influence of some sort? Can you uh, answer this as you'd uh, feel comfortable answering it, Gavin? So, um, yeah, Sam Goldberg has an uncle. His name is uh, James C. Schwartzman. He is a... Uh, administrative judge specifics i can't remember uh, i think he do you guys remember what specifically he specialized he's in? in helping attorneys who had ethics problems yeah. and he's a judge on the ethics on the ethics board of the, yeah. of the board yes so yeah he he is one to judge ethics violations of careful. lawyers in the area right um and he he is a person that should have known better uh i think and in my opinion, anyway, and went in and he took he took evidence that he shouldn't have. And one of the things that really bothers me, and I've told I've said it on this show before, when whenever there's invariably a report on on the Ellen Greenberg case and the Philadelphia broadcast news, they all show you know uh, file footage of the crime scene investigators arriving at the apartment building. You know, going in and out, taking things, putting them in the van and and looking so official and so efficient at their jobs. And they never bring up that there was nothing of evidentiary value that they could have done by the point they got to the apartment building. They were taking stuff that that was cleaned or not there. Sanitized is the word. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. A shout out to uh, Jersey's own copper horse once again. The only people I think who are really going to affect change, I mean, Josh and Sandy have been going 12 years through the legal system, with, um, and Guy knows the legal system. But uh, again, I think this is a case where voices have to be raised significantly. They're the contact numbers for the governor, Josh Shapiro, and District Attorney Larry Krasner. We're going to keep uh, scrolling it uh, along uh, the bottom of the screen. Um, Guy DeAndrea, this is a $64,000 question, which I think – I'm trying to get to uh, what can we, the public, do? Uh, let me answer it in my way, and then I'm going to let Guy answer it. But, again, we have to raise our uh, – Joel, can we get a script or the basics for our phone calls and emails? We want to make a serious impact. Jessica K. Uh, Guy, that's a great question. Guy, if someone wants to email, um, can you sort of tell them what needs to be said in that email? Yeah, I would call, I would lay it as, as difficult as it can be. I would take in some way, and this might seem harsh, but the emotion out of it. And what I, what I mean by that, I don't mean don't be emotional, but you, you don't want to be flippant. Don't call anyone names. Do not poke fun at anyone. Don't curse. I know this might seem simplistic, but you should see some of these letters. <laughs> you want to seem like a concerned citizen who's a productive member of our society. So be professional. Mm-hmm. Ready, professional concerned letter or email or hashtag or, 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 you know, on someone's Twitter about how concerned you are as a citizen of this country or otherwise about the lack of, of, of 
true scrutiny on this case and how people for far too long have been able to get away with, for lack of a, a cover-up or just an absolute disgrace of an investigation. I don't even want to call it investigation because it wasn't one. But you want to be professional in your letter, and you want to make your point clear, um, but but make sure it's well-written. I know that sounds silly, but use use proper grammar, use proper punctuation. All that sounds stupid, but I'm telling you when people read these letters – if all of a sudden you have some like weird capitalized letters here and there or words and it's yelling and screaming, they're, they're going to go right into the trash can. People right. just aren't going to care. You know, be respectful, be professional, but you can be stern in that regard. Um, but lay your case out in, in a, in a, yeah, a professional way. And that's, that's great advice. That's um, advice. Yeah. Um, so I want to bring up, there's a comment here from the Greenberg's attorney. I read a little bit of it and let me take this off of here. Uh, Joe Pedraza, who's a Greenberg family attorney, the majority opinion is a roadmap on how to commit murder and to not be held accountable. That's the most astounding aspect of the opinion. You have, as I read it, three judges saying this young woman was murdered. The investigation is grossly flawed and embarrassing. There's a murderer or murderers out there, but our hands are tied and nobody can do anything except the government officials. Uh, and you're therefore subject to their whims. Um, to you, Gavin, uh, nodding your head in agreement. I mean, from a from your standpoint, um, you're not the Greenbergs, obviously, but how frustrating has it been? You really kind of, this has been sort of a, a project or a labor of love for you. What's it been like to just keep hitting one brick wall after another for you? Well, I, um, I'm i not a victim in any of this. Uh, Ellen is the victim in this, and Josh and Sandy have been victimized by the system. It's extremely frustrating, but each time I feel that frustration, I, I say to myself, I can't multiply by infinity. That's what Josh and Sandy are feeling right now, right? And the thing that keeps coming back to me is I know why lawyers behave the way they do. Like the lawyers for the city of Philadelphia made their argument because their clients want them to make that argument and they want to win, right? So they, they make that argument. And that's the beauty of the legal system that we have. But there's an incentive out there by somebody somewhere, in my opinion, that is trying to cover this up. They're trying to cover something up. And I'm always trying to look for those incentives to behave the way that people do, right? There's somebody out there or, or multiple people out there that are trying really hard to keep the status quo on this one. And I honestly think, I've even said this to Josh and Sandy before, I think they're just trying to outlive Josh and Sandy. Just try to keep it going as long as they possibly can. Either outlive them or outspend them. And, um, I mean, that's the, that's the real injustice. Well, that's the secondary injustice in this whole thing. Yeah. Well, luckily Josh and Sandy are uh, young and healthy and spry. Uh, they're spending a lot of money. Um, that's the problem too much money. Uh, here's, um, another interesting, um, excerpt from the court opinion in the interest of justice we believe that providing a detailed review of the victim's death and the ensuing investigation is clearly warranted with hopes that equity may one day prevail for the victim and her loved ones um guy d'andrea look 
in a way, these judges had their hands tied by the law. But I mean, I just feel like we're seeing cowards um, 360 degrees around us. Uh, I, I'm, I'm feeding a dead horse right now. But if you read this language, you know, a detailed review uh, is clearly warranted. I mean, what are they saying and what should be done right now legally? So so. I think it's a nice quote. I really do. And I think it's, no, I do. And, but, but here's, I mean, here's like, the, you got to read the language, right? It, it's, it sounds so nice and so like inspiring, but it's, this is the court saying, hopefully someday somebody can provide through equity, right? Justice to this family. You, you yeah, who is that this. somebody? Yeah. Who yeah. is this magical somebody, right? Here's what I take issue with. You, we have one of the judges, right, obviously disagree with the majority. Three-judge panel. One says, no, here's my rationale. Two say, sorry, the city wins, basically. I mean, that's what they're saying. So here's the issue. Those two judges, from their perspective, could have provided that equity. Now, listen, the city at that point has two choices. They can amend – or I mean there's other choices, but they can amend or change the death certificate – or they can appeal to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, right? I have a sneaking suspicion they wouldn't have gone to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court because they probably wouldn't want a ruling from them. I could be wrong about that. But the problem, again, I have with the statement is while it sounds nice, what it's saying is how I read it is we could have provided that equity, but we're not going to do it because right. we don't want to get overturned by the Supreme Court. <clears throat> and so many judges, I'm telling you right now, the, the judges who have – the Commonwealth Court, a lot of these judges have aspirations for other offices, and I'm not saying that was the intent here. I'm just saying a lot do, and one of the things they look at for getting appointments either to the federal bench, which is a which is a feather beyond feathers and a judge's cap, or potentially running for the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. The one thing you don't want to have been as a judge is constantly slapped down by your higher your superiors, right? This Pennsylvania Supreme Court, maybe a federal judge if it, if it, that applies. So judges are very careful. It's very easy to say there's no standing. No one's going to get smacked down for saying that. If they had actually addressed the merits, they could. And some judges, and I'm not saying it happened here, I'm just saying some judges care more about that than they do about making a change. And that's how I read that language. Real quick, let me follow up on that. One quick question. How long, how much time do Josh and I have before we decide we're going to go to the Supreme Court? So you'll have um, you can you have ten days to ask the court to reconsider. Okay, they're which I mean they're not going to. I mean you can, but they're not going to. Uh, and then you'll have thirty days to appeal to the Supreme. The, you could you to apply for Alicotter to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Thank you. Uh, yeah, by the way, Bethany says. Uh, real, I got a promise coming to you in one second. I helped in a survivor of suicide law support group for seven years. Never heard one family have a story like this ever. Go ahead, Gavin. No, I was just going to add on to something Guy was saying. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is that the Commonwealth Court judges, those are elected positions as well. Mm -hmm. These are not lifetime appointments like you would think of any judges. Now, what happens in the state of Pennsylvania is once you are elected into that position, then once every 10 years, you, there's a retention vote. So you, So basically, every 10 years, PA can say, you know what, I really don't like that Commonwealth court judge but and they can and they can vote against retaining that judge but um you were talking joel earlier about you know threatening jobs not people but jobs mm -hmm. the commonwealth court these are elected officials too mm -hmm. that's good to know 
I did not know that. So listen to that. The judges are elected. Uh, Virginia law one to you, Gavin, back to you. Let's get a legislator to sponsor a uh, Pennsylvania bill. Then it becomes news. Start with an interest group and they'll get a legislator to sponsor the bill and then lobby the hell out of it. What about that as a possible tactic, Gavin? Good or bad? No, I think that is a good tactic. I also think it's an expensive tactic. Um, And I'm not not to say I'm not putting that down. I'm just like any any battle that Josh and Sandy are going to wage here is going to require um, money. It's going to require a lot. They've we already know that they've spent a lot for their daughter. And um, if I could just give a plug for Josh and Sandy, you guys should all go to their GoFundMe account and give them a couple dollars to to help them keep the fight. Thank you. Um, I'm going to put the link, uh, Sandy, please send that to me and I'll put the link inside uh, the show summary today. Please send me that. And um, I'm also going to put the link to the opinion today uh, so you all can read that. Um, Guy to you from Anne Marie Ditta. Can an outside agency such as the FBI brought in? um, It would help a lot. Uh, It seems like we need a new fresh uh, set of eyeballs, but you're shaking your head no. No, I mean, I don't, well, I want to make sure I'm addressing the right question. If you mean from a criminal investigative standpoint, not really. There's no federal crime here. If a firearm had been used, then there would be a federal crime, um, a potential for a federal crime, but a knife was used. So sadly, the feds wouldn't have jurisdiction. That's not to say, we all watch television shows, that federal agencies don't help in investigations. Yes, that happens all the time. Typically, they're invited by the local agency. Uh, which I don't see happening here, and they come in and they help, but it's still a state case, right? There's no federal jurisdiction here. Um, so they they could, and oftentimes, for instance, in the computer situation where devices are taken, when I was a homicide prosecutor, many, many times, I would say 90% of the times when we retrieved a computer, a cell phone, you name it, from a, a crime scene, a homicide, we would send it to the federal lab because they were better, quicker, and more efficient in processing the data and getting us the, the results back. One thing I just can't wrap my head around, like how are you one of these judges or the, the spokesperson even more for the city of Philadelphia? <laughs> and you write these statements and say, oh, I wish, you know, our hearts go out to them. We wish them well, and they should uh, re-examine this. But then you get in your car, they go home to their own kids. They don't really, no one, stops to really think about what's going on here and it's kind of uh enraging me but luckily i'm tired so i'm remaining somewhat calm and uh guy is the voice of reason here 100 percent, he is right have to stay level-headed calm craft a nice email uh that you're concerned you know send a, a tweet that is you know of rational mind, um, call and, and voice your concern. George Cohen says, Sandy and, uh, Josh, I admire your strength so much time for STS nation to rally, to get justice for Ellen. I really would love for someone to sort of take the lead on all this. Again, if anyone knows anyone in Pennsylvania that can help us put a couple of billboards up to start with or protest in the Capitol in Harrisburg, uh, that's another good way. Uh, if there's a protest and it's big enough, Local news is coming out uh, to cover it. Um, So in this Fox News digital article, went on to say that the Greenbergs are attorneys and a private detective uh, say that the evidence they collected showed that Ellen's death ruling was changed after a meeting among police 
at least one prosecutor and two medical examiner officials officials handling uh, the Greenberg case. The evidence includes the medical examiner's officials' own depositions describing that meeting. Josh, what do we know about that? In other words, the men- Well, once again, we have a very unusual situation. Number one, we don't know who was there. Number two, we asked Scalino, that's the, the head medical examiner, has he ever had a meeting like this before? Or since? No. So this is a one-time shot. And Neither had Osborne. What? Neither had Osborne. Neither had Osborne. They never had a meeting like this. I had never seen it either. Let's go to number three. There is no written record from that meeting. That's that's unreal. Guy, you'd never seen anything like that happen? It's it's unheard of. I mean, it's just it's just not the way the process works. It's just not. And had never seen no right no no written notes, right? No, there was no written notes, and that's not how this goes. I mean, that's not right. how this works, right? The police aren't supposed to lobby the medical examiner's office to change their opinion. No. And, no. and the police did it in the press, too. Not only did they do it in that private meeting, they right. did it in the press. Mm. By the way, Paige, never, shout, out, shout out, out to Paige Malone here. Uh, I emailed the governor, meaning Governor uh, Josh Shapiro, and more than willing to email Congress. Go for it. The family deserves justice, and these parents deserve peace. God bless. Please um, share this video with all your friends. The more people, uh, change comes in numbers. Numbers matter. Go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. No, I I really forgot. No offense. At my age, I forget what to say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I can can cite so many instances of strange criminal justice actions like that meeting that was a one-time thing with no written record. No one kept notes. No one kept them. For instance, in the first autopsy, there is a there's a written, I think it's handwritten, I don't know, I don't quote me for that, notes by Dr. What's her name? It's Emory. Fraudulent. Wait, I just, can I finish the story? No. Dr. Rourke? Yes. Dr. Rourke, who is a well-known, well-respected evaluator of neurology, of, of, of neural anatomy, who, who evaluated the spine, the, the spine thing. Dr. Rourke writes a report. Dr. Rourke sends a bill. Dr. Rourke does everything. He never did any of that. We asked, and this is on the autopsy. This is fraudulent. So we asked, our investigator spoke to Dr. Rourke. We'd like to have a meeting, come back and talk about it. She hung up. I don't remember ever seeing that case, so I don't have anything to say. Goodbye. Which means, doctor, and, and then, and then, Osborne. I'm going to use a bad phrase, but I'm going to use it anyway. A cock and bull story and his uh, uh, thing that he took the spinal specimen, which is a very important thing in this whole case. And if you read about, it, you'll see to her in the snow. I mean, you saw the size of that man. Can you see him taking a Cindy, specimen like, walking in but it, it, but in it, the but snow? But he's lying because I think he might be fibbing a little bit. Never mind. I can't mm-hmm. say he's lying. But he never, it, it, she never wrote a report. The woman always writes a report. And this is a very respected woman, I found I out. I say something? Mm-hmm. When Galeno had Lindsay Emery do the, oh, yeah. that examination... She was told not, not to write, write a, a report. report. So we didn't find out about the thing that some of the wounds might have been postmortem until the depositions. depositions two years later. 
So they were with the medical examiner's office were withholding that information from us. From everybody. From the, from and from public, the world. From the public. Let's say that, you know, that's some, you like that guy. They, the medical examiner's <laughs> office is right You know, we spoke about this before when I, I mean, I spoke to Dr. Work and I spoke to the medical examiner's office when I was still at the DA's office. Like I, as close to as hundred percent, and I mean nine point nine nine point nine nine nine. Doctor Rourke, if you if I gun to head, life on my life on the line, I swear under oath, Doctor Rourke did not perform a neuropathi- neuropathological examination of the spinal column because she didn't. I mean, I, like there is absolutely zero evidence that she did that, other it's than Oz saying she did. Right. Yeah. She said she did to me. There's no right. bills. There's no report. There's no sign in for her going to the lab that day. Right. There's no image capturing from the, 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 the cameras. She wasn't there. It's ridiculous. But why is it in the report? Mm. I, so so I, I spoke to someone today uh, whose name's going to go unmentioned, a source, a very, very seasoned investigator. Um, and that person has been sort of studying this case behind the scenes and walked me through um, of what, what seemed almost precisely like what happened. It was, it was kind of crazy to watch uh, this investigative mind at work and uh, working to get this source to come on. Um, and I will do that hopefully with Tom Brennan, who is the private investigator that's been working uh, with the Greenbergs. Um, and one of the things that this person talked about was the 911 call. There are a lot going back to that statement um, when the Greenbergs have more evidence. Well, uh, one of the pieces of evidence is a 911 call. And uh, profess- there are experts out there uh, that know how to read 911 calls. Right. And I'll leave it to you guys to Google it out there and uh, listen to it. But um, something did doesn't smell somebody, right. Did you have somebody Peter, that did that? Hi, hi. Yeah, we had Peter, a statement and uh, an, uh, analyst. Uh, he does statement analysis. Yes, right. he came on. We did that at one point. But, but, uh, but we're going we're, we're, we're to go back to that. Yeah, we're going to go back to that. Um, Josh, I want to ask you, uh, you mentioned this earlier, but you have separately uh, filed a civil lawsuit uh, accusing the police prosecutors and the medical examiner officials um, of individual and willful misconduct. And Just the medical examiners. Yeah. Uh, in a conspiracy to cover up the murder of Ellen R. Greenberg. So right. where does that stand today? What are your next steps with that? Oh, the city, I believe, I, I, I really don't know, but I, what I understand is uh, our guy, when I tell, say some words, guy, I'll be able to fill in the blanks. Our <laughs> attorney has just sent a petition of like almost 200 pages to the city to get evidence. In other words, they're blocking giving us any evidence. Am I correct by that? Uh, those- he probably sent written written interrogatories a request for production of documents. And if they haven't complied, he probably sent a deficiency letter. And if they haven't complied, he probably sent a motion to compel. He sent a petition. And I know how many pages because I, I started to uh, – hold on here. I, I started to print it, and it was like 178 pages. Okay. But I'm just saying what's going a copy of the petition, right? That's uh, 178 pages. The petition. They are not. The city of Philadelphia does, does not, not cooperate. cooperate. Why? They, That's the 
Well, I because they, that makes you no. think so, they're hiding something. That always makes that's I know, but that's I'm, makes you think. I'm not asking you that. I'm oh, okay. asking they don't know the why. audience, and I'm asking our experts. Why yeah, that, are they not cooperating? The, there has to be some incentive I mean, for the a, way that they be. According behave. to Philadelphia, it's a suicide. So if it's a suicide, if, why do they have Melissa Ware's camera? Why did they can't they give me Ellen's things that belong to me? Why can't they release the building surveillance video? I mean, when they released the building surveillance video, they only gave like, uh, you Two know, hours. little windows. Four hours. Yeah. Four, four hours. But he sent the petition. I think it was over 178 if they pages. they have nothing to hide, then release it. I think they should be looked at. So, Joel, people, the people other complaint, the other ahead, complaint, what, what is happening is that the um, – the Greenbergs are suing uh, Gulino and Osborne from the medical examiner's office. And Lindsay Emery. Emery. Yeah, Lindsay Emery. Uh, some police officers, Tim Cooney, John McNamee. They included Anne uh, Pontario from the DA's office. And Wait, she got off. She got high Dunn. immunity. Yeah. Um, the Anne Pontario. How do I say her name? Pontario. Yeah, she she has immunity as the so the case against her was dismissed. But they're basically alleging a cover up. But we also are saying Jane and John Doe because we don't know what we're going to find. We're going to find the evidence. Yeah. But you like the high? I like high immunity. (laughs) I want high immunity. Me too. We all do. At five, people have been asking me, um, guy, to you, um. This case can be appealed to the uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Is that right? Um, that's that's what I think you were talking about with Josh. When does that, did you say that needs to be done? How soon? And, 30 days. Uh, 30 well, days. 30 days. Okay. And what's the process there if it is appealed to the Supreme Court? Um, well, by the you, way, they do have petition. an official GoFundMe page. Yeah. Right. You, Hold you, on a second, Josh. Sorry. And Sandy, you do have a uh, GoFundMe page, right? Yes, yeah, we I'll, do. I'll get okay. you that link. Sandy's, okay. Uh, Gavin's going to say, go ahead, guy. Yeah, so it's not as simple in Pennsylvania. It's, it's not as if you can appeal to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and it's a, a matter of right. In other words, you apply for what's called aliquotter. You're essentially asking the court, take our case. And the reason is Pennsylvania Supreme Court, they work tirelessly. And I, I really mean that. I mean, there are so many cases that go before them. They can't sim- they can't they can't handle them. It's not, it's very similar to the United States Supreme Court in that those justices only take a hundred cases a year. That's it. Right. And there are thousands that go before them. They just can't. It just can't happen. Right. I have a so question. They, right? Yeah. Is there a way for this lower court to block us appealing to the Supreme Court? No. OK. Thank you. No. Now, the Supreme Court can say, look, there's no novel issue here or it's, this is already right, a decided right. issue of law. I hope they don't do that. Um, and I hope they, they address the merits, the merits of the case. I really do. By the way, Donna says just donated, and here is the Greenberg's uh, GoFundMe uh, link. Uh, that would be a nice gesture to right. someone here. This is how I feel. I'm actually sweating to death in here right now. I'm so angry. I'm shaking. My mom's right. going to go, how can you complain in front of the Greenberg? It's hot in here. What can I tell you? It's hot Where's your sidekick? Uh, uh, she's coming back. She's made, She has. Uh, she's had four months off. It's not enough, so... Uh, few more weeks and she's coming back on uh, on Wednesdays. Um, Seriously, little, everybody, thank you very much. Yeah, thank just a, a, a little um, 
this person I was speaking to, I want to get on to describe what's going on. A couple of just points that this person made that really stood out to me. Uh, for those who, again, don't know the case that well, the fiance uh, only notices a knife that's four inches deep into the chest cavity four minutes in, four minutes into a call. And before he mentions Ellen, he mentions a latch. He mentions a latch. And what's fascinating, this is what's fascinating to me about this, uh, and this person will explain this hopefully. This investigator says that a killer is always thinking about the last thing like that that was frustrating them. And the theory is that the door was locked and the fiance couldn't get in. And he was so frustrated by that latch. So that was on his mind. And when the 911 call is made, the first mention is not of Ellen, but is of that latch. And these are the types of things that really seasoned investigators and people who analyze 911 call calls. This is what they see that we don't. And when he told me that, I started to get goosebumps. So back, this all circles right back to the beginning. Uh, the city of Philadelphia and uh, these other people saying, come back to us when you have more evidence. I think the evidence is here. Um, it just needs to get done. Gavin Fish is uh, a, uh, a gentleman and a scholar, as my mother would say. He is a... Uh, a uh, He's more she called me an honorary mensch, by the way, last time. Really? Oh, there, yeah. there you go. That's huge. That's huge for uh, Carmela to... Uh, to, to bow down like that, that's a big move. So, Gavin, your <laughs> final thoughts. I've been basking in the glow of that for months. <laughs> I can tell. Well, um, you can't shut me up, so I have one more thing. Oh, go Supposedly, ahead. Supposedly, he was outside that door for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. He didn't run and knock it down because he was afraid something had happened to his fiance. He made calls. I, I did not what? know that. I did not know that. 45 he minutes? Calls. He made calls before he went in. It's nearly an hour. And we also think maybe the 911 call was done outside the apartment. I personally Gavin believe Fish, that. Yeah, Gavin Fish has been uh, all over this. Uh, he he reads and studies this case uh, the way others well, there, watch there is, cartoons. There is something I guess. very significant. He says yep. that Ellen was lying on the floor. That's how he remembered her when he saw her and she was um, dead. But she wasn't. She was when they, when she they was came down slumped over uh, in the corner uh, of the kitchen sit, cabinet. She was sitting. She was. She had her sitting up against the kitchen cabinets. She was not lying on the floor. Yeah, and the blood evidence I think goes to show that. Um, yeah, the horizontal. Yeah. Yes, uh, Gavin, your uh, question to you and your final thoughts. Do you think the media has done enough in covering this case in the state of Pennsylvania? And then your final thoughts. I am grateful for the coverage that has been given to the case, but I don't think that there has been enough. No. Um, when I, when I did my report on, um, what I think is a clear conflict of interest that Josh Shapiro had, and ultimately they, the AG's office agreed that there was at least the appearance of a conflict of interest. I reached out to every single media outlet in the Commonwealth every single one of them. It was about 145 different media outlets mm -hmm. to tell them about what was going on. And not one of them reported on it. Not one of them. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think the media can do more. I'm grateful for what they have done. I think that there are some people in the media that have, uh, like yourself, Joel, like Nancy Grace, like Michael Ruiz, like um, the fellow with Lucy. Yes. 
Yeah, Stephanie Farr. There have been yes. some really, really good uh, coverage by certain people who obviously care. But I think that in the Commonwealth and the rest of the nation, this case should be covered more and more frequently. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, the Shaming of Jay is on here. I did a show last night as a guest, which was a nice change. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Shaming of Jay, please do. It's an interesting YouTube channel, and they uh, they interviewed the interviewer last night. That was fun. Uh, this is interesting here. Um, has Dateline done this story or 2020 or any network crime show? And I'm going to answer that. The answer is no, and the reason is, believe it or not, there's no ending. So how do they do a show? That's how these uh, TV That's executives, traditional media do think. Um, they, they have a formula. And since there is no ending to the story, uh, they haven't done it, which is kind of crazy. But hopefully uh, there is a documentary made in the near future and other media uh, that, that spots, uh, shines a spotlight. Guy DeAndrea, cool dude and looking cooler with the hair and the beard. <laughs> former Philadelphia assistant district attorney in the homicide unit. He discovered Ellen's file in the Philadelphia DA office now in private practice. Um, Guy, what counsel would you give? And I don't mean psychological, I mean, legal to the, to Josh and Sandy right now. What, what, what should they do? legally? Uh, so, you know, I've, I've said this, I've spoken on this case and, and the family many times and, uh, Sandy um, and Josh and I have spoken on the phone. I've spoken with Tom, their investigator, many, many times. And I've said this all along. I I've never even met in person Josh or, or, or Sandy. And I, from day one, have felt so, I don't know, it, this case has stayed with me the entire time. And I have felt so deeply involved or, or, or invested, I should say, because they have not received any justice and it, I, I, I applaud is the wrong word, but I mean, the fight that these two have gone through with, I mean, doors being shut in the face is like, I mean, they're, they're probably, they have, they're used to that now. They just turn and go to the next door, but to keep that fight going, it's the only way we can get a change. But I know that the defeat after the defeat or the setback after setback can be so like, should we just give up? And, and I've never seen that from them. I'm sure that there's probably moments, but um, keep up the resolve. I, I've, as I've always said, I'll do whatever I can to be a support, to be a help, Thank you. to be a voice. Um, Thank you, everybody. What happened here is is uh, tragedy is not the word. There is no adjective, right? That because uh, even in tragedy, oftentimes people find solace or they find some form of justice, whatever that looks like for them. That's never happened here ever. So, and it needs to. Guy, very well said. Um, finally, of course, a huge thanks to both Josh and Sandy, Ellen's parents, um, for coming on. I just want to say everyone lives busy lives. We're tweeting, we're running around, uh, you know, at work. And it's very easy to compartmentalize and say, wow, it's a terrible story. And then you just put it away. And I'm guilty of the same thing. And I'm going to, the part that I can do is to continue to raise awareness, but we need people to step up uh, and either organize protests or get these billboards up somehow. Uh, that's expensive. Um, it's expensive. Um, I don't know if people know people, but it's just a matter of getting the word out there and not letting this uh, fall on deaf ears. Again, Governor Josh Shapiro and the PA District Attorney Larry Krasner, 
Governor Shapiro wants to be president one day, and Larry Krasner probably has wants to be governor. And your voice matters. Um, so please spread the word and make some noise, as they like to say. Um, shout out to Kay, the Geeky Angel, for becoming a YouTube member. Uh, Sandy, uh, your final thoughts. We'll let ladies go first and then your husband. No, I'm grateful to all of the panel, and I'm grateful for the public who's been sticking by us and um, trying to take as good care of myself and my husband so that we can continue to fight the fight. And um, thank you for all the love out there. It means a lot. I couldn't have said it better. We really appreciate what you have done. Every little bit. Adds up. Mm -hmm. It all adds up, hopefully. As they say in uh, in Brooklyn, oy vey, this is uh, this is not fun. Uh, Chaos says donated with an exclamation. Donna says please donate if you can. Um, you. I'm uh, I don't know. I I'm sort of a low key guy, but certain things really upset me, and this is one of those things. And um, we got we have to stay at it. We're going to keep doing the shows. Um, if anyone knows anybody in a position, someone actually earlier in the chat recommended someone like John Stewart, uh, who's now a full-time activist. Um, it's worth tweeting at him. You just don't know. Um, you need a big voice. Um, my voice is growing with this platform. Thanks to SDS nation. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's big enough yet. We're going to get there one day, but, um, takes either one huge voice or many, um, Many smaller voices adding up, and that's what we are here uh, at STS Nation. So thank you all. Tomorrow, Josh, Sandy, thank you. Thank you. 5 p.m. Uh, sorry, 4 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow night uh, with Scott and Phil because Happy New Year uh, to you, um, Sandy. And 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, great Scott, it's your true crime, Phil. We're going to round out the week. Uh, then uh, it's the Jewish New Year. Next week is Crime Con. Going to be live from there at the tail end of the week. But a uh, huge thanks to Gavin, Guy, Josh, Sandy. Love you, America. Love you, Pennsylvania. Don't love you that much. I still love you because Guy's there. And uh, love you, the Republic of Ireland. Israel, colleagues from Israel on the stream. Till tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern, one hour earlier. Until then. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force 
powering Allbirds, Rothies, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.